Welcome everybody to Breaking Point, Australia's most sought-after crime podcast. Not really. So, this is a light-hearted look into what makes a serial killer tick on that ballard. Today I'll give insight into one of Australia's most prolific serial killers. This first season will explore Australia's history of death and gore and Australia's heinous criminals and what made them break. This episode marks 32 years since these particular murders. While serial killers are very rare these days in Australia, they do seem to have an impact. The duo I'm talking about is David John Burney and Catherine Margaret Burney. Now, these two were responsible for four murders on a period of October to November in 1986. The murdered four women ranged from 15 to 31. There was a potential fifth victim, but she did manage to escape. These crimes were referred to as the Morehouse murders, after the Burney's address at 3 Morehouse Street in Willoughby. To give a bit of insight, we're going to talk about David Burney. Now, David was the oldest of five children, and the family was very dysfunctional, which does not surprise me. Um, there was rumours abounded about the family's promiscuity, alcoholism, and that they uh, also engaged in a bit of incest from time to time. So, his school friends also said that often when they came over, the place was filthy and very unkempt, and the family never had meals together. They probably never ate because the parents didn't cook meals for their children. So, I'm assuming they would have raided the cupboard, fridge, whatever was in there. Yeah, there's that. Also, David left school to become an apprentice jockey at a nearby race course. During his time at the race course, he physically harmed and made love. No, he didn't make love. Physically harmed the horses and developed a habit of exhibitionism. One night, David broke into the room of an elderly lady where he was boarding. He was naked with stockings over his head. There he went commit his first rape, attempted to commit his first rape, which didn't happen, which is good, good for the old lady. Um, By the time he was an adolescent, he was convicted of several crimes and was in and out of prison. As an adult, he became a sex and pornography addict. There's nothing wrong with that. He was married once, Uh, early 20s he was married, and he had a daughter, Tenya. Tenya was 10 years old at the time of his arrest. She has never married and has never had children, stating, I quote, I don't want to spawn another David Burney, unquote. Well, good for you, Tenya. Um, Very good life choice there. And please stick to it because, well, one Burney is bad enough. So, in late 1986, David Burney was employed at a local car wrecker's shop. For more than a year, David and Catherine had been practicing how to make their sexual fantasies of rape and murder come true, while he was weeks away from committing his first horrific crime. He's the prominent one of this um, duo. Um, Catherine, not nearly as interesting. Catherine... She'd been in and out of jail herself. Um, Now, 
The couple was never legally married, but Catherine did change her surname by deed poll to Bernie to match her not legal husband. Over a period of five weeks, they abducted five women between 13, 13, 15 and 31. All of the victims except one were raped and murdered. The sole exception was their final victim who escaped the day after abduction and led to police to their house, thus ending their crime spree, which is good because there could have been potentially more victims, more rapes, more murders and so on. Um, Perth has a rich history of uh, people going missing and, and deaths and so on. Um, so let's start with uh, victim number one. Now, 22-year-old Mary Nielsen studied psychology at the University of WA and worked part-time in a delicatessen where she met David at the spare parts yard he worked at. David offered to sell her cheap tyres for a car and gave her his phone number. On 6th of October 1986, she went to the Bernie's house. She was gagged, chained and raped while David, by David while Catherine observed. She was then taken to the National Park where she begged for her life. She was raped again and strangled by a nylon cord. This nylon cord would go on to become part of his modus operandi later on, well, over the next five weeks. She dropped dead at David's feet. He stabbed her thinking it would speed up the decomposition because he read it in a book, and they buried her in a shallow grave. Mary would have received her degree for psychology one year after her murder, if she survived. Victim number two, Susanna Candy. Susanna was 15 when she was hitchhiking. She was an outstanding student and lived at home with her parents and her brothers and sisters. Her father was one of the top, now let me say this, ophthalmic, which is ophthalmology, which is eyes. So he was an eye surgeon. 15 years old and hitchhiking. This is 1986, so yeah, it was the norm back then, I guess, but 15 years old, well, let me, uh, let me tell you right now, kids, if you're listening, which you won't be because this is going to have an E on it for extreme or whatever it is, um, don't hitchhike, it doesn't end well. Um, back when I was a kid, I remember driving along with my father, saw a bloke on the side of the road, dad said, oh, he must be hitchhiking, I'm going to go and pick him up. I've brought this up several times with my father who doesn't seem to remember, I remember a few of them actually. We've picked up hitchhikers back in the 80s, early 90s. They were fine, but then again, it all depends Wrong place, wrong time. And unfortunately for these particular people, um, their demise was not so good. Susanna Candy. The Bernies had been cruising for hours looking for a victim when they spotted her. Soon as she got in the car, 
basically they put a knife to her throat, hands were bound, taken back to the house, gagged, chained, raped. Now, the thing that's intriguing about this is after Bernie had finished raping the girl, Catherine Bernie got into bed with them. She knew that this would turn David on. When they both assaulted her, Bernie tried to strangle the girl with the nylon cord. She became hysterical and went berserk. Then they forced sleeping pills down her throat to calm her down. Once she was asleep, David put the cord around her neck and told Catherine to prove her undying love for him by murdering the girl. Catherine complied. Now, David stood beside the bed watching. When asked later why she did it, Catherine said, and I quote, because I wanted to see how strong I was within my inner self. I didn't feel a thing. It was like I expected. I was prepared to follow him to the end of the earth and do anything to see that his desires were met. She was female. Females hurt and destroy males, unquote. Okay. So this is her long-standing obsession with David. She admired him, looked up to him. I, I guess uh, she just wanted to please him in all ways possible, whether it was sexual or whether it was more. Moving on. Nolene Patterson. Now, Nolene's a uh, 31-year-old. She was standing beside her car on the Kenning Highway and she'd run out of fuel on her way home from her work, which she worked as a bar manager. Once inside the car, same deal, knife to the throat, tied up, told not to move. Now, the thing that's different about this one is there were signs that um, David developed an emotional attachment and Catherine didn't like that and became jealous. She basically gave him an ultimatum. David would have to kill her or Catherine would kill herself. Well, he should have, should have let her kill herself really because there was more. He immediately forced an overdose of sleeping pills down her throat and strangled her while she slept. Possibly with that nylon cord. Who knows? However, when they buried her, Catherine got great pleasure from throwing sand on her face. <sighs> yeah. Denise Brown, 5th of November. The 21-year-old was abducted while she was waiting for a bus on the Stirling Highway this time. She accepted a ride and at knife point was taken to the house, chained and raped. She was taken to the Wanneroo Pine Plantation. Now, for anyone that doesn't know this area, it's a very dense uh, pine plantation, hence the name Pine Plantation. They waited in the car until darkness and they raped her, or, or David raped her a few times. Then he plunged a knife into her neck. He was convinced she was dead at this stage, so he's put her in a, in a shallow grave and then she sat upright. David then grabbed an axe, struck her twice, and buried her body in the grave. It's very nasty stuff. Now, the next victim I will not talk about, as she is still alive, as is the rest of the family of the previous victims. However, I know they have to live it every day, and they probably think about it every day, but due to recent news and the anniversary of these particular deaths, I'll not talk about this particular woman. However, she was abducted at knife point 
same thing, handcuffed, raped, and so on. Now, she was the only victim to survive, and it was only by chance that when Catherine went to the door to carry out a drug deal, forgot to chain her to the bed. Now, what I can gather from that is that she basically wanted to run the gauntlet and see how it played out, but it seems like she um, she wanted it to escape. Um, she knew this was all wrong in the back of her mind, conscience, I don't know, four murders, you know, things happen. Now, this particular lady uh, had to ring, was forced to ring her mother and assure her that she had drunk too much and was staying at a friend's house. She hoped her mother would catch on because she was not a drinker. <sighs> this young lady ran into a police station to be greeted by a 22-year-old, fresh out of the academy, constable. She wasn't uh, believed at first. Um, it's the 80s, crazy 80s. A girl running in. Well, you just you just don't know. Drugs were rife. Anyway, she provided a great amount of detail, um, and these they ended up doing a, a bit of a raid on the house, and then realised she was telling the truth. All right, so there were other possible victims but they just don't know because there was alibis in place for these particular days that they went missing. Um, so I'm not sure if these ones have been solved or if there's any information on them. Uh, I'd have to sort of do a bit of a background check on that one. Uh, now, during their trial and sentencing, uh, they both pleaded guilty to one count each of murder of an abduction and rape when he asked why he had pled guilty he gestured toward the victim's families and said it's the least I could do he was sentenced to four terms of life imprisonment after being sane enough to stand trial Catherine Burney was also sentenced to four terms of life imprisonment by the Supreme Court of Western Australia both were required to serve 20 years before being eligible parole. David Burney was found dead in his cell 7th of October 2005 at 4.30am. He was 54, year olds, 54 years old. Having a speech problem today. He had hanged himself from an air vent using a length of cord. Oh, died, died from the cord. A length of cord. How ironic. A failure to provide him with his antidepressants had exasperated his depression. Well, apparently he was a model prisoner who looked after injured animals. Catherine was not allowed to attend his funeral. Thank fuck for that, because this guy was out of control. And if he got back out, who's to say that he wouldn't do it all again? I mean, this guy derived great pleasure from doing this to people. 
Now, let's, uh, let's have a look at the psychology of all of this. I have no idea about psychology, so I'm just going to randomly rant about, um, about these two in particular. It looks like someone in my family, actually. Um, well, he's not, but... Um, she wasn't an unattractive woman. She wasn't attractive. She was plain Jane, but she didn't look out there or anything. She didn't look psychotic. David, however, looked like uh, looked like a huge ass overgrown rat. He had rat features on his face. So if that's if if that's how he could be described, then that's him, basically. Um, David Burney derived sexual satisfaction from watching and raping women while Catherine watched. Would he have done it without Catherine there? Who would, who, who, who would know? Only Catherine herself. Catherine herself, not himself, unless she's had a bit of a sex change in prison. I don't know. Now, to break it down, uh, there is, there's basically four types of um, serial killers. Uh, power and control, mission, ugh, missionary. Missionary? Missionary is a sexual position. It's not a basic type of serial killing. So, roll it back. Power and control, visionary, mission. Maybe a mission from God? Hedonistic. Um, it's a lust killing. Um, lust killers derive sexual pleasure from killing. Thrill killers get a kick from it. Now, you could look at it all different types of ways. Um, but realistically... Lust killers. Um, that's the sort of people these guys were. And it's, it's, it's sad. It's horrible. Murder's not fun. Um, talking about murder's not fun. Nobody wants to listen to a really old, boring podcast read from Wikipedia about people that murder. Um, these families involved, uh, the victims' families, um, the families of the, the murderers, um, it's, it's not fun. It's not fun for them. They have to live with it, as I've said previous. This is just a, a, a different spin, I guess, on, um, on murderers. And this is this is my take on it. To reiterate on all of this, it's it's a sad case, and it pops up every year over here anyway in in Perth. You you can't escape it. I mean, I've known people that have some sort of direct connection to particular murderers. Um, 
and they vividly remember, especially with their family. So all in all, this is the first podcast of a series of Australian serial killers. I do hope you've enjoyed. And the next one will be out soon enough. So please subscribe. Please listen. And I will uh, try to keep you as entertained as possible. Thanks, guys. And this is Matt Ballard signing off. But before I go, I did say what would trigger their first kill. David Burney, his life started out poorly. He didn't have a very good home life. He assaulted a horse and then he went on to meet someone that was, I wouldn't say equal, but someone almost as bad as him. And to carry out these heinous crimes and to practice doing it prior to carrying out these heinous crimes. Now, what has always intrigued me is it's it's one thing to think about raping someone or murdering someone, but to actually go through with it is a, a different story altogether. Um, there's triggers. There's triggers like there's triggers with anxiety and depression, PTSD, things like that. I know it's not the same, but it's, uh, it's all related somehow. Um, you quite often find uh, marriage breakups, uh, particular events in your life um, that trigger these things. Um, how often have you had a bit of a disagreement with somebody, say a friend, they say something uh, that, that triggers you, then you escalate your violence or anger and you lash out. I'm, I'm guilty of, of being triggered by certain things that people say to me at times. Um, and the Bernies is no exception. David's home life started extremely bad. There was no turning point or trigger because his violence was normal from the word go. A lot of people may disagree with me. That's fine. Feel free to send in some uh, submissions or, or anything like that. If... Any of the information that I've given you today is wrong, please feel free. My aim is to make this podcast as good as I can and provide some detailed information about certain things. So, thank you once again for listening and... I hope to uh, gain some listeners.
and talk about this further with you guys. Thanks, Matt Ballard, signing off.